0: You're listening to The Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about The Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. So we've seen so far in the devoted follow of Christ that we're devoted to the apostles' teachings, Acts 2.42, the Word. They were devoted to life together. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to selling their needs and giving to one another. So many of the elements that we need to look at. But today I want to look at fellowship. But I want to look at that word bride as well, as we left off last week. That we are His bride. Today, we look more into that. What does the bride look like on Sundays? And what does the bride look like on Mondays? So we have a place to gather with the saints, but then we have a position and responsibility on Mondays to go. So there's five questions that we're going to look at today. Very practical truth. The first one is, that what is fellowship? What is fellowship? Very simple. And then, where did fellowship begin? Where has fellowship began? And then, what does fellowship look like now? What is a healthy look of today's fellowship? And then we get to some very good news about fellowship in eternity. With the Father in a holy place. But until then, the fifth question is, what is our responsibility to the fellowship now? So go to chapter 2 of Acts and we're going to read the passage we've been looking over over and over the last several weeks. Chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As we read Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, we see a form of fellowship described four different times. They were devoted to the fellowship. And then secondly, all who believed were together. All who were believed all were together. They attended the temple together. They attended gatherings together. And then they broke bread in their homes. Look and examine this early church here. Fellowship appears to be very, very central. Mentioned four times, but to appreciate the importance of its centrality, we must know the fellowship means we must know what fellowship means through the biblical lens so that first question i present to you is, is what is fellowship acts 2:42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship fellowship derives from the word koinonia koinonia greek word for fellowship it refers to community hear me it refers to community and then it also goes a step further. One's place in a group. There's an element of participation. So already with fellowship together, we're seeing two parties involved and two responsibilities. Webster defines it as a company of equals or friends. It makes complete sense. It appears 17 times in the New Testament. And the wonderful mystery and privilege that is of the Christian fellowship is that it exists because God has enabled it by His compassion. It's just common grace that we have. And we see fellowship play out in two areas of our life. Physically and spiritually. Physically, to fellowship too. This is a verb. This is an action. There's a participation there to the believer, but also to the non-believer. Let's have fellowship. Let's hang out. Let's talk. To the believer, the church, the bride, and the fellowship, but to the non-believer in association and doing life with them. But then more importantly, that sets us apart as a Christian fellowship is the spiritual side. Is that Jesus Christ made possible the fellowship, the noun, the church, who we are. We have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with the Father through the Son. By what He did on the cross. And then we have fellowship with the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. This is very distinctive and who we are, and as a devoted people in our fellowship, this will deviate and change everything we do in our lives. We begin to prioritize. We begin to make decisions. This is not foreign to Jesus. He was very clear with us. And as we see the church, they were very clear. So we understand what fellowship looks like. As the verb and fellowship as the noun, and who we are as the church, as the bride. Let it put a smile on if that's good. But then, where did this fellowship begin? As we sing that song, The Word, it's very clear in John 1 1 through 2. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So where did fellowship begin? It's always existed. Fellowship has always existed. How good is that? Think about it. This clearly paints a picture of importance. Fellowship has always existed, therefore there must be a sense of invitation to the fellowship. And we see, in that invitation, it starts to begin with us. So the more clear picture here says, when does fellowship begin with you and I? Is a question we should ask. And the answer I will give is that our invitation to the fellowship begins with the gift of grace. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, one through ten. Ephesians chapter two. 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Look at that past tense, which we once walked, church. Following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3 Among whom we all once lived in passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and whereby our nature so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Hear this, church, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace, is this wonderful gift from God. We do not earn this grace. Our fellowship began when Heavenly Father blessed us granted us this grace into our life to understand and it was made possible by the work of Jesus Christ and the cross. So who is the fellowship? It is those who confess Jesus as Lord, confess Him as Lord, and are, they are united in spirit through Christ to the Father. And that unity is the beginning of your fellowship. That unity is a beginning of our fellowship. But the important word here is Lord. Those who confess Him as Lord, Lordship. He is overseeing, He is reigning in our life. Our decisions are made under. His provision, His leadership, His guidance, and His love, and His grace. The difference between two people sitting in this room is believer, non-believer. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is not. But the good news here is that Jesus made it possible because of the cross. And that gift of grace comes from nothing but God. There's nothing you can do in your nature. Jesus prayed for this very sense of unity here. We are unified with the Spirit. We become and begin our fellowship with Him in 1711 of chapter John. The Gospel of John says, and I, and this is Jesus speaking here, and I am no longer in this world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them. Keep them. Remember that word keep? Watch over them to observe them, to look after. Keep them in Your name, which You have given Me, that they may become one, even as we are one. Unity displays a triune God. The fellowship displays a triune God. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Unity magnifies the love of God it is the vehicle by which Jesus works through His church. Therefore, how do we magnify this love? What does the Christian fellowship? What does it look like here and now? How is it healthy today? What is fellowship? And now we are where the fellowship began. It began by the grace of God. You're brought into this unity. This fellowship. And now, what does it look like now? Here, you and I. Two parts. First, there's this global fellowship, the church. We're all in this together. The saints, those called and loved, across the globe this morning and tomorrow and the day before, have gathered to celebrate Jesus. And we join in with this. This is this macro level, this global fellowship, the universal church, the Bride of Christ, in which our groom will call us home. But then there's bring it to the second level. The part two is the local fellowship. This daily living out what it looks like together. Membership. Globally, global fellowship will naturally exist when the local church participates in its full ability. We must start here and now. Acts chapter 2, through 47 our passage says, and all who believed." They came together, they were together, and had all things in common. All things in common. That word, there's, there's that phrase, all things in common, goes into a greater detail in chapter 4, if you're taking notes, in 32 through 36. Turn there, if you will. It says, in Acts chapter 4, 32 through 36, read it with me. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to Him was His own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands and their houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. We begin to see this unity in the fellowship. What does it look like now? In common. One heart. One soul. We see a picture of unity like Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. You see it coming to existence and this unity coming to existence will fuel the natural and the natural mission that we are to be the global church on mission for Jesus Christ to go and love in the name of Jesus. We'll give birth out of this fellowship and our communion with the Father. Do we see this kind of unity here at the Oaks? Do you, do I see this kind of unity in our lives? You have to answer these questions and let the Word of God work. You are in a unified fellowship called the church. And we work together. Do not let this message fall on deaf ears because you've heard it before. Let it spur, let it move in you because this will magnify the love of Christ in a consumer world that preaches to each his own. Jesus preached, it is better to give than to receive. In Acts 20, 35, Paul says, in all things I have shown, he's speaking to the elders in Ephesus, and he says, all things I have shown that you, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus. He says, Lord Jesus, how he himself, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. When we follow this truth as a unified fellowship, it is more to be it is more blessed to give than to receive it is counterculture, and this counterculture naturally displays naturally displays the love of christ you don 't even have to try. you just be obedient. What does this look like today? What does a unified fellowship look like today? You notice in the chair there I put our Y membership, this article. This article came from Nine Marks. We are a Nine Marks church affiliation. Nine Marks is very simple. They're aimed to help pastors, future pastors and church members to see what a biblical church looks like. That's what we're trying to do here. What it looks like and to take practical steps in becoming one. So I have taken this Y membership article and put it in your hands. It's on the website as well because we align with this and it's very clear. So I want to work through it very fastly here. You have that in front of you. Why membership? Why the fellowship here and now? What does that look like? It's biblical. Jesus established the local church and all the apostles. Think about it. They did ministry together. The Christian life in the New Testament is church life. Christians today should expect and have the same desires. Pure and simple. We have a responsibility to each other. And the church is its members. To be a church, a New Testament church, is to be one of like-mindedness. And you want to be a part of the church because that is who Jesus came to rescue. So hear me, there's two parts still. Global church and then there's local church. We're all a part of a universal church, but then there's a responsibility as members to the local body. It's a prerequisite of the Lord's Supper. Why be a member of the church? It's how to officially represent Jesus. Remember the unity? How it magnifies the love of Christ? We're all together on the same mission together. We know who we have back to back. Do you remember and recall that we're in war? Spiritual warfare? We want to know who our back is against. It's plain and simple. I don't want to go to war with you if I don't know you. It really is that clear. clear. To be really transparent, I don't want you watching my son if I don't know you and trust you. That's how protective as a pastor, as us as elders, are operating. We want to know the people that gather and do life together and represent Jesus together. Then it goes to say here, it's how to declare one's highest allegiance. He described it as if it was the jersey, a public testimony. It's how to embody and experience biblical images to display, once again, the body of Christ. And I'm going to let you read through that on your own time. We keep looking. It's how to serve other Christians. It's how to follow Christian leaders. It helps Christian leaders lead. It helps us shepherd. It helps enable church discipline. You don't hear that very often. Unfortunately, the church has allowed anything to happen and run rampant. There's a place for that to stop. It gives structure to the Christian life. Don't be scared of that word. Got a bunch of free-spirited people in here. I respect that. But there is a place for structure. And the individual Christians claim to obey and follow Jesus. The church is a real-life setting where authority is actually exercised over us to guide us and lead us. And then lastly, it builds a witness and invites the nations. Remember that invitation of fellowship? Jesus, by the grace of God, has welcomed us into His fellowship. We have the opportunity to do the same to the community. How important is it to know, church, that when you go out there and say, please, come visit my home. We're hosting a home group. Come visit our gathering on Sunday morning. That when they show up, you know that they are in a safe place. And that when they come, that we will be able to represent the love of Jesus Christ clearly because of the unity that He's done in our hearts. We have this fellowship together. So we see it on this grand scale of being a part of the church. We see it every day as members of the church. I want to take it a bit, a step further on this micro level and challenge you personally. We use language here called God-designed groups. These God-designed groups are areas in your life that you can check to make sure you are in fellowship. Not just fellowship by yourself, but fellowship with the church as a whole. So we look at these God-designed groups, and as we look at it, we're going to look at some Scripture. The first one here, the most important what all ministry births out of is communion. If you're taking notes, the first is God-designed group is communion group. Your communion one-on-one with the Heavenly Father. That is crucial. Jesus and the Father. Luke 6-12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside and prayed and spent the night praying to God. We've learned that very often that Jesus got along with the Father. The second group, not only communion, but core. Core group. Two to three people. Remember the beloved disciples? Remember those that Jesus favored? Peter, James, and John? Often, He only invited them to come pray, to come and minister. A specific passage in Mark 5.37, He allowed no one to follow Him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. There was this core group that Jesus had. Do you have the same way? These aren't cliques. These are like-minded brothers and sisters that you trust and that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're in it together. And you're back to back. You've got to have this core group like Jesus had. But then He had His disciples. The third design I see is community. 10 to 12 people, we use this home groups, missional communities. These are our groups that we come together, just like Jesus and His disciples did. But in Acts 2.42, they came together and they broke bread in their homes. Jesus and His disciples broke bread over meals several times. But then the last one is corporate. You have communion, you have core community, and you have this corporate Sunday gathering. Not to forsake the assemblies, but in Acts 2.46, in our passage that says, attending the temple, together. Look at your life. One, first and foremost, are you in communion with the Father? Do you have that core group that you trust? Are you in community? And do you gather with the saints? That's important as you just just really live out this unity and fellowship. And as you evaluate your life and you look at what membership looks like and you look at these God-designed groups, you're like, there may be some prioritizing and some adjustments you need to make. I want to encourage you to do so. Do so. And I will assure you, because of testimony in my life, That you will begin to experience the fullness of God's design in the church. And it is good. It's very good. These thoughts, I hope, are challenging everything you know about what church should look like. What our commitment to the fellowship should look like. But I want to move on to some very, very good news. What does fellowship look like? eternity. Revelations 19.6-8 Speaking here the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 6 of Revelations chapter 19 it begins, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah for the Lord our God write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. John's vision in Revelation is a picture. Is his wedding feast, the Lamb. The Lamb being Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Will you attend? Are you a part of the fellowship to one day enjoy presence? The radiant glory. The heavenly dwellings are so many ways to state it. Presence, Holy Father. I've said it often, it'll be a There'll be a day that many of our lives will hold again. All of us, actually. Perfection. New bodies. He'll call us bride. I hope. You see hope in that. That you know that we have responsibility here and now until this happens. So this marriage feast happens between Jesus and his bride what do we do? what is our responsibility to the fellowship in closing Hebrews 10 19- 25 as we look at Hebrews chapter 10 19 through 25 and what is our responsibility here and now to the fellowship Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What are we to do till our groom calls us home? Celebrate new life and fellowship made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. By his body. By his flesh. He made a living way. He opened it toward the veil. So as His church, we need to continue to celebrate new life through the ordinance of baptism. Let us never forget that day we were baptized. And our life confessed to the public that we were following in a holy pursuit after Christ. Not only do we Remember in baptism, but we remember Christ through the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. We remember His body. We remember His bread as we're unified as a fellowship. We draw near in confidence in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Draw near to God daily. What do we do until that time comes? We draw near. And then in verse 23, we are to confess hope without wavering. Give testimony of the hope of Jesus Christ in our lives. And then we are to live together in verse 24. Stirring up up one another to love and good works. It really is this simple. It just takes our priority and our obedience. We have a responsibility to remember and celebrate new life made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. By doing this and living in community together, we stir one another up in love. We stir up good works. We hear the needs. We meet the needs physically and spiritually. And in closing, the devoted follower of Christ is loyal to the fellowship. They are loyal to the mission of the church. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as we think about this, this challenge, the fellowship, we have to wonder about our commitment. My invitation to you is not to get busy. Don't get busy doing church. My imitation to you is find this rhythm, this natural rhythm God designed it to be. It's going to be very natural. It's going to take some time. But it will never come to fruition if it is not priority in your life like it was in the early church. So my last question, Brian. Are you devoted to Christ? in his church.